1: is November 1st. I can't believe we're there already. That means we're days away from the election. The sugar high is wearing off and we've got serious serious issues to talk about like Kanye West should he be able to sing about Jesus but we're not yeah. getting to that for are just the rage. <laughs> all the rage these days this is Greg's contribution to the podcast <laughs> this today this a
0: topic I yes. want to explore but we're going to make you wait show. for it
1: we're not yes. going to talk about that because there's a couple other things that are a little like, bit higher ranked like Jesus that's why I, I would not <laughs> argue that that's the truth but we've got an impeachment <laughs> vote going on mailing ballots sitting on people's countertops We've got people just dumping beer down the drains that we can't drink anymore. Twitter says no more political ads. And then we have this little problem of the homeless center issue that has not exactly fixed itself. So a lot to talk about. I want to start, though, with the impeachment vote. Um... Our Utah congressional leaders, we have four of them, uh, they all voted along party lines. Ben McAdams might have been the only one where people were wondering what he would do, but he voted with Democrats, saying that he was keeping his mind open. Mara, you're nodding your head here. Were you surprised at all by the fact that we went down party lines, or is this exactly what you expected? So this is a vote about a process, right? Correct. This
2: isn't a vote to impeach. This is a vote to start the public process that Greg has been clamoring for for a while, so I I wouldn't be surprised if he were in the position to vote yes, because now it opens it up to the public, and uh, we get to hear these witnesses, and I think um, Nick Adams is right, and when he says, hey, let's continue the process, I think opening it up to the public, going through it, um, whatever side you're on, this should be a good thing.
1: I'm hopeful this is a process that keeps moving, though, and does it's not turn into grandstanding. That's right. the one thing I hate about open process, because I love having open hearings. But open hearings, Greg, as we all know, sometimes turn yeah. into either side of the party. But we'll just think back to the last U.S. Supreme Court nomination in Kavanaugh. Everyone's there to make their point, and they say their two minutes of whatever, and then they follow up with a little question they don't really care about. I, it.
0: You know what? I, but, the, but the point of that is that bad behavior would be on display, however you would watch a hearing like that and the people would be there to see it. What you've had so far is a closed hearing. Uh, you've had the minority of the, of, the, of the House of Representatives that have been excluded from being able to subpoena witnesses or uh, you've e- there's even accounts, we don't know because we haven't watched it or have been able to see it, but there are accounts where the chairman is uh, not, is actually directing the type of questions or what questions may be asked, which is outside the usual purview yep. of a chairman. Uh, and, and I think that when you don't know and you can't see and you're getting these kinds of stories coming back, uh, it's, going to, it's not going to create a more credible process or I think confidence in the people. They're gonna go to their sides. They're gonna go and they're gonna, people that hate Trump are gonna say it's all fine. And the people that uh, support the president are gonna say it's a, it's a scam. Process is not a box to check. It's not a curtsy. It's not a hat tip. It's not a distraction from the issues at hand. It is the only way that I know in a, in a, in a political body uh, to get to the truth, or do it in a way where substance has the potential to rule the day. If you have a vote, and you have those that would be inclined to support this president, or would want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but they are able to bring, they're able to subpoena witnesses. At the same time, those that are looking at investigating him are as well. I think in a public hearing, you could hear those different witnesses or questions being asked. And I think you get to the bottom of things. You get to the bottom of what's happening. That's not what we have now, and even that vote, there are caveats to this process that's supposed to be more open. Uh, Adam Schiff is the chairman. It requires a majority of those on the committee to allow the Republicans to call a witness. The majority are Democrats. So there, it, it is the, the way that those rules have been placed, they're better, I, arguably, than the ones we had where we didn't have any rules before, but it is still not the same process that we have seen in the occasion of President Clinton, President Nixon, or Andrew jo- President Andrew Johnson in 1860s. I, would, I didn't see that, and Senator Howard were, Stevenson. Right those weren't right the Johnson. same process. He saw those, yeah. but I, didn't I mean, they
2: had the same kind of nuanced differences, and I think the Republicans are really focusing on process because they don't want us to focus on no, the substance of the matter. I And, to the and, of and it. Greg, these are going to be. I mean, they, these are going to be open. We're going to be able to judge for ourselves. This is not a deep secret state. And, and, and the facts at hand are, are true. And the one thing that's interesting about this impeachment discussion that is markedly different than any other that we have, if we go back to the age old mantra that it was the cover up, not the crime, right? Both Nixon and Clinton were engaged somewhat in impeachment about the entire, not something they did, but something that happened along the way in, in instances, covers up and lying. And, and, mm-hmm. and that was what the discussion was, about when would, did that dishonesty and, and not lack of transparency happen. What's interesting about this impeachment is it is actually firsthand to the president. It, it is about the behavior of the president. Again, whatever yeah. side you're on, it's a slightly different setup. We're not talking about months of things that happened and, and you look at Watergate and why Watergate took so long to unfold. I mean this is interesting because we're judging the direct behavior of the president. Uh, Mara,
0: I hope you're right. I hope that what you're describing is what we actually see because what I would love to see is if we had five people privy to the president's conversation with the president of Ukraine. If right now you may hear from one relevant person but what would what would it be like if we heard from more People that were privy to that same conversation, and you heard different perspectives as to whether that was quid pro quo or not, or whether those transcripts that we've read, that I've read, and do not read it as quid pro quo, but I've been told, and it's been said in some of these closed door hearings, that they could have been edited. I would like a full scope of people who have direct knowledge to, under oath, explain what happened and there. We do I look think of the confidence, of
1: us, yeah. absolutely, sure. and
0: I think the confidence or the uh, the conclusions would be stronger. If we could see some of that instead of what I feel is going on, and that is where you're cherry picking or only one side's picking who they'd like to come and speak or testify, I'd like to see a full breadth of people come and and share with what they know.
1: Yeah, and speaking of full breadth, uh, Representative John Curtis actually has a resolution he's filed. He's hoping to open up everything that's already been done. And have that released, but we know that Congress works very slowly. By the time we get that, we might all have like weeks and months worth of reading, but I do hope that all of that's released. We can eventually look at that too. So there's a lot to look at. Um, one thing also disappointing when we look at John Curtis, he sits on the foreign relations committee and his committee's been taken out of this. So he won't be one of those people who's doing the questioning. So we're going to watch it closely. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I really hope that even though this is a political process, we can keep it. As unpolitical as possible. That's the part I'm not looking forward to yeah. because
2: even I, I took a go at listening to the discussion around the vote and I took a go at it and then I was like, I have to turn this off. I can't listen yeah. to what is just clear grandstanding already. And this was prior to the vote. So I don't know. I mean, that, that yeah. too, what you said, and, I'm a little like, uh, I don't know if I can, if I can actually in real time listen to our current representatives just staking out inane territory on behalf of the So we're, we're getting
0: cynical. We're getting even more cynical. I'm going to tell you yep. that of the three serious impeachment processes that we've mentioned, uh, they have enjoyed bipartisan support uh, to move forward. This one did not. This had only Democrats that voted to move forward. In fact, the only bipartisan part of that vote would be that two Democrats joined the Republicans in voting against it. One side of that coin is, well, we're just too partisan, and everybody's putting party above principle. The other side of it is, it's too partisan, and we're not willing to have an open and thorough process, and so we and don't so approve that, of it. And so, since I
2: don't think this is the last time i will talk about this topic, <laughs> I mean, then no. then you add into the fact that we are in the midst and will be more in the midst of a presidential campaign. Yeah. So what and happens when you have impeachment just to have during a campaign? a campaign? Yeah, I mean, it'll be y- easier to uh, uh, nominate supreme court justices when the sitting president is in a lot of things would be easier
1: in terms of time I know. so i think we have a fully (laughs) exhausting year ahead of us this campaign year we're going to be talking about impeachment and ultimately who knows what's going to happen in the next year because i don't see this happening quickly we may decide this at the ballot box where a lot of people say it is best decided and speaking of the ballot box salt lake county voters i only am checking in on salt lake county because we have the big salt lake city mayoral race and i'm assuming other counties are the same Turnout is not pretty. So, Greg, I'm going to give you these numbers. Okay. Let me look here. By the I've way, got them on my phone. To our
0: viewers and listeners, I was this information was not given to me prior to this show. I like to hey, surprise people. Hey, Just like I have to the Republicans were left out of the
2: process because of their unwillingness there to speak was, to there others
0: outside the caucus. a very partisan effort to provide information <laughs> to <I> members <laughs> of this panel. I
1: just wanted you to be surprised. I called um, Sherry Swenson, and she's always awesome to give numbers, but um, right now, Salt Lake County, and these are the ones that have been mailed in, and at this point, um, they know they have them. Only 20% of ballots have come back for the entire county, and then you're thinking, okay, well, Salt Lake's got this big mayoral race. It's going to have a lot higher. They're at 28%. That is low, low, low. Are you surprised to see this?
0: Uh, you know, it's, look, I think that in some ways I am because it is such an important election and it's one that receives a lot of attention. Uh, in some other ways I'm not. Uh, but even the concept of vote by mail, It usually when it's changed to a vote by mail yeah. um, in other states, there's a, there's a high turnout rate when it's new and it's a new way to vote. And then you see those numbers start to decline over time. Uh, But I would tell you, if the numbers stay consistent with what you're describing, it will be the campaign that is most organized and the one that understands how to get out the vote. It will be less about um, the message or about maybe the candidates, what they bring, and it will be more about the structure and the team they've built and how they're able to effectively move in a low turnout those that are supporters that they've identified. So it's a blocking and tackling race if those numbers stay where they are. So
2: we're about eight points off of where... Uh, the end result came for the primary so 36,000
1: people voted around the primary and so uh,
2: the one thing we see with vote by mail is it is it levels off the first two couple elections when you get it people go crazy and then Mm -hmm. voting voters vote and no one else does so we should see a pretty good dump on election day but I think by all accounts this is really low so you're like why I mean this is it's there's been a ton of exposure it's so hot Uh, I do think this is a late-breaking race if you talk to anybody in Salt Lake City lots of people are going back and forth still Um, lots of people are just sort of they I think it's interesting because I think they may like both candidates and they're having a hard time deciding Uh, the other thing that happens in our municipal races which I think are among the most important this year is the year where Ogden and Salt Lake have hot races and then the smaller municipalities do theirs in in the secondary uh, in in the next two years Uh, but uh, it's low I think it's going to be low and even if it had a big surge even if it was a ten-point higher surge you'd have to say that was a low election
1: I think that you're right, because when you look at the favorability, when you're looking at both Luce Escamilla and um, Aaron Mendenhall, they both have very high numbers in likability and their ability to work across the aisle or do different things. And so I think there's a lot of people who are really invested in this race. They've gone to the debates. They've watched online. I think there's a lot of voters, though, that aren't that, I guess, educated on it. And they're like, well, they both seem nice. And so we've got 20 percent who are undecided. And so how they fall, I think, is going to decide here's, this election.
0: Here's just a little campaigns and elections 101 that I think is, is interesting. Uh, we do not have any ballot measures that I'm aware of that are on the ballot in November. Do we have any that are initiatives? We or? don't.
2: I'm no. cycle. So
0: Carl Rove did this uh, when uh, George W. Bush was president. They tried to put Defensive Marriage Act, they tried to put some something uh, bread sexy and butter, in there. something yeah. that's yes. very conservative that would really rally a conservative base to get out to vote, to kind of draw people right. to get them involved. The other side does that as well, where they look at whether it's Medicaid expansion or they'll look at something that may draw a base a political base that would that would create a greater or higher turnout
1: like could we put marijuana back on the ballot yeah, so right yes
0: yeah, so what i what i would say is when you get into some of these races sometimes when we see that higher turnout but we look at a, an election cycle yeah. that doesn't have some of those carrots per se that are out there we need to take that into consideration too because sometimes that's why you see a high turnout because you have some issues not candidates that is that it's it, really designed to draw the it's base. An,
2: an interesting thing to that is that you know in Salt Lake County particularly there are many uh, local jurisdictions who have not allowed ballot measures on an off cycle because <laughs> of that. I mean they've given cautions yeah. about doing it. The other thing that I would remind voters of is these low votes mean you're more powerful. So when people are saying, man, I'm disenfranchised, I could care less, you my vote doesn't count, it doesn't matter, uh, the amount of number of races every year that are decided in, in, in Utah statewide by less than 100 votes is remarkable every year. So this vote... This this vote matters, and the smaller the race, the bigger your
1: vote is. It is so true. We were looking at the primary election, and everyone was expecting Jim DeBaca to come through, but really, it was coming down to a very small number right. of votes there at the very end. So, we're going to watch it closely. Uh, get your ballots in the mail, postmarked by November fourth. Otherwise, I still like the pomp and circumstance of bringing it too. on election day and at least dropping it off in the box. I do did too. You See it's That's there. I, I like vote. the sticker. I, on day. I, I like mailed sticker. mine because I didn't care as much this year because there was one city council member with nobody even running against him, so it was like easy to just get her done and get it turned <laughs> in. But anyhow, please vote. Your vote matters. Um, This one really quickly, I want to mention it because I think it matters coming up in the next election cycle. But Twitter's decided to not let any political ads be on their social media site anymore. They said it's hard to weed out which ones are good and which ones are bad. And they said, if you're awesome, you'll go viral anyways. Greg, this one is a stumbling block because you admitted that you're on Twitter (laughs) But on Twitter only I like am like
0: the reverse of Pierre Delecto. I don't participate under a fake name. I have people help me convey messages under my name that I, I'm not on Twitter, so but you they, have people I have an who account tweet for you. That that help me. Uh, I, I'm, I I own every message I've ever sent and I know I actually am the author, but I don't have it on my phone. I don't monitor it every day. It's more noise, more distraction. I am on the old man social media.
1: Uh, Facebook, that is I where old people hang out,
0: but but I I don't. Uh, Twitter I I've so watched it and it looks like it just takes more of your bandwidth. For political so I operatives,
2: it. I think this is really nothing. I mean, yeah. politi- Twitter buys are not where the action is. So one thing, so just parse it too much. You can still buy followers. But you just can't place political ads. So if you're an operative, you're looking and saying, I didn't really use this to place ads anyway because it's such a good place for earned media, non-paid yeah. media. You have a prolific candidate, you just have him go nuts on his feeds. Uh, the holy grail of misinformation and information, and particularly with women in middle class and, 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 uh, middle aged is, is Facebook. And so if Facebook, uh, change their policies at all and I, I don't think would they're be, going to. They've actually put an exclamation point in response to Twitter saying, no you know, thanks. no, we're not going to do that at all. I, I one has to wonder if Twitter and I would say smartly so is just really pushing the social media conversation forwarded this. Coding it's them, yeah. not where they get their money it's not going to hurt them economically and as an operative you probably could care less about it but I love the conversation that they're putting out there, saying oh social media can have a conversation and an action about what campaigns should and shouldn't be doing because the, the another interesting outcropping is well can issue campaigns still operate on Twitter and interestingly enough Twitter's putting some nuances to mm. what uh, an issue as Greg said right. earlier what an issue campaign can and can't do and what's political in an issue campaign is sort of yeah. different but that that is to say that I love that Twitter is asking the question of where responsibility for public conversations and political conversations lie in social media. It was interesting that the immediate reaction of Facebook, which again is where you put your money. I mean, if you put if you put five hundred bucks into Twitter on a campaign, you put ten thousand into Facebook, and so that's where people would feel really threatened. And they doubled down and said, "We're not touching it, and we're not. You know, we're not occupying even an editorial space. We're not." going to cull through we're not going to manage comments at all we are not going to take any responsibility for the accuracy of the information that is purchased or bought or uh or or earned on our on our surface on our space we should
1: know when you're on social media anything that's been bought and paid for it says sponsored you know it take it with a grain of salt as adults know know that and twitter like you were saying it really is a minuscule amount of people who are on that when you're on it you think that's where the whole world is but it's really not in the end facebook is where all of the humans are. Instagram's growing, but Facebook is where most of the people are hanging out. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But in some ways, I've heard people saying, too, that Facebook might be doing the right thing because do we want to become the China or the whatever of the world that starts deciding what can be placed on the internet, well, what can, so and what's there? So that, I think.
0: To that point, this isn't the last time we'll ever speak of this. And social media and digital campaigns as a whole. Take, let's take politics and elect, campaigns and elections out of it. Do we think that sometimes this skews the reality of our young people? Is it is it contributing to uh, suicide or our efforts for suicide prevention because of the warped realities that people pull down from uh, their the you know their feeds and who they hear from and and how those are, are self-selecting to some degree? Once you start deciding, I mean, we're a country of freedom of speech. I mean, it's 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 foundational. But if you're not allowing all voices to be heard or or all of the things that's happening that technology is allowing to happen, Mm -hmm. what are its consequences? How do we receive information? What's the decisions we make because of it? How much do you want it to be? Safe, who's safeguarding it whose opinion is it that decides but, but what's not, right or we're wrong not neophytes on so this I, conversation. Think and and I think it's complicated i think it's going to be
2: social get media we act like it's one or the other i will say yeah. cuz I, I take a varying position i mean if you haven't read sorkin Aaron sorkin wrote an open letter to mark zuckerberg this week and it's worth reading i mean yeah. he sort of starts to parse this argument Aaron sorkin's of like
0: a hollywood and guy what does he know
2: what does he know <laughs> and so uh, so but it starts to parse where this where this line of responsibility is and so 40% of people in last l- cycle's election reported getting the base news, the, the most political news they got from Facebook. Okay, so we know this is now a source. We also know that it is not accurate. It does not follow any journalism. Follow, It has no professionalism. And, and so some of that we love about it, right? But I think this conversation on, on either extreme in which freedom of speech has time, place, and manner restrictions already. The United States has had conversations about safety and responsibility and non-infringement and we're not China in this area. So to say we can't have the conversation at all, I mean, I think we have to start having the conversation because the amount of misinformation, be it political or be it health or be it just a, a, a child's perception of the world around
1: them as having consequences. Consequences yeah. are important and I think the problem is, is it does reach, you mentioned health, uh, this is totally off the political beat, but uh, probably over the summertime Amazon Google Facebook they started taking down Anything that was, instead of pro-immunization, um, anyone who questioned immunization, a lot of the documentaries and things people were posting, and no matter where you fall on that issue, once you decide on one issue that you're going to stop posting something from one side in a country that values having information, whether right. some people are putting real or not real information out there, it becomes troubling. So it's, I think it's, it's an the interesting the arbiter of what is
0: true or what is not Agreed. that yeah. is, is what's so complicated. Yeah, Agreed. It really is.
1: And I want to be able to find stuff on the Internet if I want they to just find ask
0: me, I could do the whole They'll thing. Find all I, could of it for you. I can decide it all. We're I gonna can get show you fake Twitter, news you versus crazy. the real stuff. All right, I know then.
1: it. If We want to hold your feet to the fire, Greg. This is um, an issue that I know is near and dear to your heart. There are some major issues going on with the homeless center population yes. right now. Yep. Uh, there was a question this week of whether or not we should be shutting down the road home when all of a sudden we have hundreds more people than what can be housed in these new centers, which are beautiful. They're doing great work. I think people are loving them that are there. Did the lieutenant governor and his board, there's many people who are working on this decision make the right decision to make sure the road home closes down and we move forward in the forward direction, getting landlords helping out and other things or was this a bad decision we need to keep it open So
0: you got to go back to what the statute had required for the transition to occur and that was a specific date and an important date June 30th, 2019. Why was that date important because its you're in the summer. you have your lowest bed count. Uh, during those month, during that time, that would have given our new resource centers a runway to get used to a new model that provides resources and housing placement in a time where the, the demand for beds would not be as high. Uh, in July, when I began from the chief seats out here, complaining that this missing that deadline was going to put the entire effort in peril, there was a lot of eye rolls. They said it's a wet spring. There were a lot of excuses, but I'm going to tell you, we are in the event right now of exactly what happens when you're starting a brand new processor system when the weather has turned. And you're seeing that people uh, are filling those beds and the demand is growing very quickly. A couple things. One, one of the areas where we're seeing more people coming that need help or are looking for help than have before uh, are females, women. Even if you left the road home open, if you have a, a women's center, there are people that were shelter resistant that weren't ready to go to the road home necessarily. it was a somewhat scary place to be. Because it was, be. it was yeah. scary. That, that That demand is because of that model, and you can't really say if you left the road home open you're going to meet the need mm-hmm. there because the, the numbers, and I've seen the math, I've seen the HEMIS numbers from October of 18 versus October of 19, and, and I'm telling you some of the overflow that you're seeing is a result of having a new model and having some of these uh, different ways of delivering services and help. It is a false choice. So what I'm saying is, there was a there was a, a drop. It should so have happened in the home, summer. So close the road home. This is a good yeah, idea. Yeah. So okay. well, this is what I this is what I would say. It absolutely should have happened this transition in the summertime, and that gave everyone the ability to successfully transition. But it didn't. So now what? I believe it's a false choice to say leave the road, road home open, or people will freeze to death and die. Nobody that I know in this space, from from the state, the the county, or Salt Lake City. Is, will ever be okay with that that scenario. There will be places. We have St. Vincent's that has overflow. We have uh, vouchers for motels. 100% will be the case that people that are in need and need shelter will be able to receive that. I think, that is a, I think the call to people to say, hey, let's get together, let's do this as a community, is the proper one. It's hard to come up with a new model, a new transition if you're leaving the old model there. And there was a lot of fear about staying there or what the atmosphere environment was there i i have confidence that we are not going to fail people we're going to make sure that people have a place to stay so
2: but we got to make not that game ready on this we weren't game ready we're not prepared and and it's failing the people who need it the most with caveats that say everyone in this process is earnest working hard and smart right and this is not the time to blame anyone. Right now, this is a hard problem that we're it's always going to have. Yeah. And so right now is the time for us to not finger point, but to look. But we have to accept that we weren't game ready. So there's a mantra we use at our firm that, that says most, if not all, political failures are communications failures. And this is an enormous communications failure. It's, I, I, I saw Spencer Cox's frustration on Twitter yeah. with saying, "Why would you think I would leave someone in the cold?" Of course not. I, and I want to I want to give credit to that, but I also want to say, "Why did you leave me with that gap of information that appears as though you're not handling business?" Whoever you are, I'm not pointing that yeah. at anyone. No, yeah. So, I so I do think we've had a huge failure of communication. I also think we didn't transition systems, and I think, and I, this is going to be a rare nod, this is going to be a rare painful nod <laughs> to Greg here. And I think one <laughs> of the things that we're lacking right now numbers. is a appointed leader who's going to kick butt and take a little names. I think we have a lot of well-intended people at a table, but we've lost the point of the spear. I'm going to be honest in which I think who lost the point of the spear that allowed the state to come in is the city of Salt Lake. So one of the things that I'm going to say back to Salt Lake City's new mayor is, please take that back, take the state's support, but kick them out of the driver's seat and have them in the passenger seat, which is where they want to be anyway, because they want to be supportive and the county wants to be supportive. But we have to have a uh, more comprehensive and that's about leadership and that leadership is is while I'm not indicting the leaders there's a huge communication drop and they have dropped the ball right now I mean we did see a crisis I live and work downtown and we're seeing a crisis still occur and again there's there's no room for finger-pointing now I will say you know the plea that that says private sector please step up right now on one hand I appreciate it and on the other hand I was like what the
1: I know I'm wondering how that can help because I'm looking at um, a state that already has a housing crisis, especially a housing crisis for low-income housing, where people are on waiting lists, and I'm like, which landlords out there are waiting in line to fill up their apartments that haven't already, that are low-income? And then if you take someone who's truly homeless, and you put them in an apartment, I mean, you think about a college student, they're always going to someplace that's got a bed already, they've got, like, a microwave in there, and a couch to sit on. Can you put someone... Not near a soup kitchen, in an empty apartment I, with nothing to make food, Heidi, those and no are, furniture. Those
0: are absolutely valid details, and I think they are being worked through. And I think some of that call to find those those beds. It's it's it's. I think it's the model they're going towards, but now they have to hurry. That model of housing placement it has a lot of different faces, a lot of different partners. I think that's where that call to arms, or that call to, "Hey, let's all get together and get this right." It's it's something that's always been part of the process of how you find the furnished apartments, how you make sure that that transitional housing, sober living, treatment beds, how all of that's going to be accommodated and the for. First
2: program- was the most successful in the United States for a very long time. I'm skeptical and we of, of that only because I, mean, it, well, I don't we think just there's wraparound it four or services. five years ago, right? Well, there they didn't hand it off, that. But, but, but that housing service was first class. They just didn't have the services surrounding it. I agree yes. with that, but the housing wasn't the problem. No. So, I mean, I will say that it's still the time to not blame our leaders, but give them plenty of room to take action so that if that's if that's mandatory budget or, or extraordinary budget measures or if that is the ability to call a meeting, it can't take two weeks to call leaders together and get this going, um, and, and they have to move at a faster it, rate. Yeah,
0: look, and I'm not giving anyone a pass. I think Mara's being pretty uh, fair in this where we're not going to uh, point fingers or, or, or place any blame, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm I'm expressing my confidence that we're going to get this right, but I am disappointed. I am absolutely disappointed that it came to this. I think there were a lot of voices in July saying, we are walking into this very scenario, and those voices, including my own, were dismissed. In fact, I found myself uh, being framed as an antagonist because in July I was saying, we're going to hit a moment like this, and it was was not well-received. It was seen as... Um, a, a hostile voice, which was not my intention, or others that were bringing this up. Am I okay with that? Of course I'm not. I know this will work out, but it didn't have to come to this, and there were steps that could be made, and all the energy that's gonna be taken in this month of November to make this right are the same people and the same energy that should have been doing this in May, in June, and even July, it should have been that kind of But we of can't be focus. cyclical about
2: it either, because what I fear is we're going to bridge a gap for a, a group that is that is in pain right now, but we're not actually going to fill out the structure that needs to happen, because there's a ton of really tough choices that we have to make for a long time, and I have not seen the chutzpah yet to do that.
1: It'll be interesting to see. The only thing good I can think of that we came to this early cold snap, that it made the snap, it was like, okay, we've got to do something about it. And the good news is we're at the holiday season, and I feel like if you're gonna get community support and you need community support, there's a lot of people in the next 60 days who are ready to do kind things and help out the community. So this is probably a place you can help. Um, Since we're sort of talking about Christmas and the joys of such Mm -hmm. things, I'm going to transition to Greg's favorite topic of um, Kanye West, who sometimes (laughs) refers to himself as Jesus. I don't really love that. But he was just in Salt Lake City, had a huge crowd for his Sunday service, and um, this is kind of his new thing. He's Jesus Rock, Jesus Rap. What would you call it? And you're loving it?
0: Yeah, I am. I'm loving it. Okay. So I kind of like hip-hop R&B. Remember when Ice Cube was here and he, en- yeah. he endorsed me? He yeah. got everyone to vote Word for
1: me. Word to our homie Greg. I'm mm-hmm. not even a candidate yeah. yet, and
0: he, he called the shot early. Ice Cube did. I call him Cube once you're friend. sure. your friends. Once you're friends, you can just call so him So I like that genre mm-hmm. of music. I was with my son, and, and we were driving, and he likes this music as well. A new album came out by Kanye West and it's called Jesus is King and it is uh, very spiritual in nature it has very positive messages and where I have seen gospel music whether it be country music or hip-hop anything that's been kind of in the gospel category has kind of been in its own subset it's Kanye, not cool. Kanye West is breaking that he's actually bringing uh, I think to young people or people that may like this genre of music a, a very, very positive message and one that you don't hear very often. And I think it's a, it's refreshing. And I'm excited about it. And I think that in a time where politics can be so negative and there's so much partisanship and there's so much because of Mara and because there's so much that goes on that we don't agree. Is that, that what, what Kanye what. would say? You know what? That's
1: uh, why I go to church. It's huh? like a
0: hospital. you got to go. People okay, like me we're need, all need <laughs> it. going
1: to get what would Kanye so, do. Rings? Exactly. So
0: that's why I go to church. Anyway, <laughs> what I'm saying is. Where you have uh, where things may feel so strident, or there may be contention. What a great uh, way for Kanye to kind of reinvent himself. Some are skeptical about why, but I love it. I love that there's uh, that there was a you know revival or a a big event, and it was well attended here in Salt Lake City. And he was he was uh, speaking about things of the soul and the heart and spiritual uh, matters. And now we have this album and I think it's doing well and I've listened to the songs and I like them. So because so I love we're it. short on I time
2: and because uh my response to Kanye is as Greg's spiritual leader, I just <laughs> would like to point out that uh, I want to give a product shout-out to Budweiser, who brought all their Clydesdales into town. Boom! And I mean, this was the best marketing even stunt. I just love my talk. You're not even uh, responding to my session uh, with the death of three we two just went to and. And, 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 I, and <sighs> I'm just saying that was a lovely marketing moment. So. Bud fan, not Bud fan. They brought the Clyde sale, They came. Do you they know they what marked the death. Kanye probably drinks beer just beer you know down the drain. I, I it believe would be he's the worst would be black. Spirits. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I
0: Where I grew up in Pittsburgh, it is a drinking town with a football problem. If you took all the beer off the shelves and you were pouring it down a the drain, there would be riots. There would be people not all good with that. That would
1: I don't drink, but that seems so wasteful to me. I know that it was the law <laughs> and how it had to work, but I'm it like seriously, if we have leftover beer, we can't sell it on clearance. We couldn't have like a nice Halloween party for the homeless. And, like, yeah, not, <laughs> you know, just,
0: I have family members that would make that very up. argument. They would not, they would throw their bodies in front of such it decisions It was just like this.
1: interesting
2: we marked it so much too. I, right? I just thought that whole part of us being as excited as we are about that can extra one percent or whatever we're doing. So the, pol-
0: the policy behind changing the alcohol content yeah. in beer was that states uh, it was not a business not plan. even that it was long business, ago, yeah, had no, so many different uh, yeah. uh, states that had different contents of alcohol in their beer. That is being it has become We more didn't uniform. recognize
2: it because Utah inserted practicalness into their liquor laws, and we were like, "What?
0: I know. What are so we so doing? nobody That's knew. So it That's so weird. was a getting to the point to that that we were going to yeah, see the good. major distributors not be able to provide product to our state because there were no longer enough states of different varying. Right. Uh, and a, uh, and a
2: secondary outcome may be that. Right? That, uh, retailers could also choose some market prices. And so this little squeak of market going into the Republican communist system of liquor here. That, I kind of <laughs> dig in that a little. That little wedge right there where yeah, the marketplace you know, can Your juice. beer will be
1: more affordable now. I'm so excited about that. the funny thing is that, that the drink. second we said beer, oh, he went away. One of our producers all of a sudden came up to listen to what we were talking about. So <laughs> I'm glad we saved the big teaser of beer till the end. I'm, so. s-
0: I'm sad that Mara couldn't even con- comment on Kanye. She just went, she segued right I into our next he topic. He I probably
1: drinks the spirits. I probably drinks a lot. I bridged your topic. That was good. I mean, do you can think, prove my co- point can Kanye save our country? <laughs> can he, can he, Mara? Uh, he answer is, this question. He is who I'm looking towards,
2: I think, to well,
0: save I think the there's. S- I think there's sarcasm in that voice. Yeah. I think, All, you
1: know, heard. I've never been a fan of the Kardashians who are linked to Kanye. The whole insanity of like what surrounds them, I'm not a fan of. You can get, send me hate mail, whatever you want. But anyone who's willing to send wait, positive things out into the universe then God bless him. I hope he has great um, success with it. I think that Justin Bieber and a few other stars have become more open about religion. I don't care what religion, but it probably mm-hmm. does us all a little good it if is. we all stop and ask ourselves, is there you know, something more important uh, than myself? There's some life
0: lessons going on yeah. there mm-hmm. as people yeah. become very successful and have every monetary uh, thing in the world they'd want and I where agree. they're turning now. Yeah. I think we should be paying attention to that.
1: So anyhow, we'd like to end this <laughs>
0: with... <laughs> Was that, too, the, was that just too? Was that just too substantive and aspirational, Heidi? Should I? <laughs> no, I actually, should I just argue some more? Um, I
1: unfollowed Kanye on Twitter at some point because I was like, I just can't handle it. But I've actually found myself looking at a few of the tweets lately where he was on, what's that late night show where he sings carpal karaoke? He, oh yeah. He did it on an airplane James with C- um James Corden. Corden. yeah, James Corden. 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 And uh he carpool karaokeed on like a 737 or something really? with Kanye and they were all singing gospel tunes and I was like, I'd get on that flight. That seems happy. So, yeah. anyhow, I can get on board. Thanks so much for talking tough topics. We'll be back next week following up after an exciting election. Hopefully, all your ballots will be going in the mail and throw away half that candy. You don't need it. <laughs> Bring it down to the homeless shelters. I bet they need treats. Thanks for listening this week. Subscribe and we will be talking again, at the same time, same place next week.